one of them made a mistake on the terrible watch shape. And when I when I was I have no idea how that's going to do with courage over comfort. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll share with you um, what I feel God is, is revealing through that. Um, but I also wanted to just first of all uh, share a couple of definitions of courage because I think it's um, it's always fascinating reading like a secular definition of a word and then applying it over the context that we're speaking in. I think it can be quite profound. So Cambridge Dictionary says courage is the ability to control your fears in a difficult situation. And on the same page, it actually said another definition, which was the courage of your convictions, <coughs> which I think was really profound, which says to be brave or confident enough to do what you believe in. So this morning I got this, this picture of um, a river and... On top of the river, it was like ice that was cracking, and I felt like this morning, um, God's really wanting to um, to break, uh, to get rid of people's fears. I felt like fears sometimes freeze us into not moving and not flowing like the river of life, and I just feel like, yeah, this morning that he's really wanting to break off that fear of people. So... Um, as I share, I hope that um, you feel inspired and, and really challenged to be able to actually step out and courage um, in whatever way that looks like. Um, there are obviously so many different ways to do that. Um, and so it, it will really look differently um, to each person. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> So let's just start by reading um, the parable of the lost sheep. So that's um, the parable of the lost sheep is in both Matthew and Luke, but I'm going to read in Luke because it's um, a little bit more detailed. So it's Luke 15. So it starts with <coughs> tax collectors and other notorious sinners came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that, that, was he, that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that lost, is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, will he joyfully carry it home on his shoulders? When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns to God than over ninety-nine others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So I'm sure we're all very, very familiar um, with this parable. And I think... With the Gospels and all of Scripture, really, um, each time we read it, Jesus can speak to us something fresh and new. I heard an analogy recently that um, Scripture is kind of like every every bit of Scripture is like a diamond, and the way that the light um, reflects on it reveals a new facet of it. And I feel like that is hopefully um, we sort of can dive into something new and challenging this morning. 
So here, like in this parable, we see that Jesus is responding um, to the Pharisees who were criticizing him and, and frankly judging him for sitting with sinners um, and tax collectors, the lowest of the low um, in that time. And so Jesus, um, in response, as he loves to do, paints this beautiful picture um, of the kingdom of heaven and really what his heart is and what he came to this world to do. So he, um, Jesus' heart is to go after the lost. He, um, just like that song we sing, he recklessly pursues um, the lost sheep. He goes down those paths where he not, would not normally go down to pursue them. And I think that the most beautiful part of this parable is when um, Jesus finds the lost sheep and he doesn't rebuke them, you know, doesn't, doesn't paint this picture of, you know, rebuking them, but he actually picks them up out of the ditch, puts the sheep on, on the, the shepherd puts the sheep on its shoulders <coughs> and carries it home. And I think that in itself just paints this amazing, um, beautiful picture of how Jesus meets us where we're at when we are saved, no matter what we've done in our past, no matter what, what sin um, has bound us. In that moment, he picks us up, puts him on his shoulders and lifts us, lifts us up. And through the blood of Jesus, we are made righteous and um, are able to um, live in the newness of life um, through Jesus. So what I really want to highlight here is that Jesus goes far beyond the root of comfort to recklessly pursue those who are lost. And I came across this um, quote in Spurgeon that I think really captures this, so I'm going to just read that out. The shepherd pursues a root which he would never think of pursuing if it were only for his own pleasure. His way is not selected for his own ends, but for the sake of a stray sheep. He takes a track uphill and down dale, far into a desert or into some dark wood, simply because the sheep has gone that way. And he must follow it until he finds it. Our Lord Jesus Christ, as a matter of taste and pleasure, would never have been found among the publicans and sinners, nor among any of our guilty race. If he had consulted with his own ease and comfort, he would have consulted only with pure and holy angels and the great Father above. But he was not thinking of himself. His heart was set upon the lost ones. And therefore he went where the lost sheep So we know that Jesus, when he was here, he did he pursued those people who other people would walk past or not ever want to associate with. He um, we read story after story about um, him healing the sick, cleansing lepers, casting out demons, um, sitting and eating with tax collectors and sinners, going into their homes. Some crazy, crazy stories that he. Of the miracles that he, he did, and of course, the most amazing miracle of all, which was that he went to a cross and died for every one of us so that we can live in direct relationship with the Father. So, in his life, he was, he was really bringing everyone back to a relationship with the Father, and so. <coughs> If he, would, if he was 
seeking his own comfort, Jesus would never have come. He would never have come. He would have stayed, as Spurgeon was saying, he would have stayed with God and then the heavenly angels. And he would never have gone down those dark paths um, to find us and to save us. So I would assume, and I think I know pretty much everyone here, um, that we are all Christians. So we have had that moment already where we were in the ditch, <coughs> that we have been lifted up and put on the shoulders of our Saviour. We have been lifted into newness of life. And so in this parable, I guess it's kind of like a reflection of where we were. We were lost, but now we're blind. We were blind, but now we see. So then how does this parable then speak to us Christians today? Like it's, I've always read this parable thinking, um, and still do, it is incredible to think about our Father relatively <coughs> to have this direct relationship with him in that way. But then the challenge still remains, how does that change us as we walk our lives each and every single day as Christians, as those who are made righteous by his blood, who are in direct relationship with the Father, who have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we know that Jesus came to save us, but that the, the story doesn't end there. We are actually living in the kingdom of heaven, bring, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth um, right now. So what does that mean for us today? So I think, and people know this of me, um, I have a heart to, to really pursue and seek the lost. And I think Jesus is calling us into that um, similar act of going after those people and bringing them into connection with the Father. However, what, what sometimes can happen, or, or um, there is a bit of a danger of this happening, is that when we get saved, and don't get me wrong, this is not a bad thing, but when we get saved, we join a church, which is great, and we join a community of other believers, also great. <laughs> But what can happen is that we can get caught in our comfort zones in the church. We can all of a sudden um, live out our Christian lives among Christians. We can, um, you know, do programs and ministries and set up policies and, and systems and, and whatever it is within our Christian environment. And without actually going after the lost, I think we can lose sight of what Jesus' heart is. Um, with bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. So a couple of months ago, um, I listened to good old Steve Frost preach um, at his church, and so I'm stealing this part from him. <laughs> but I'm sure he got this from somebody else as well. Um, but he did a whole sermon on this, but I'm just going to take out the key thing that really spoke to me. So when... Um, when Jesus talks to Peter and says, upon this rock I will build my church, the word church, the original Greek word, um, was the word ecclesia. Now, apparently, um, there were many words that Jesus could have used. Like, we have one word for church, it's this church. But um, back at that time, there were multiple different words he could have used. He used the word ecclesia, and there's something really profound in that. Another word which you probably are all familiar with, which he could have used and would have actually made sense for him to use, was the word, the Greek word synagogue, which is obviously synagogue. But he chose to use the word ecclesia. 
So the actual definition of this word means called out or called forth. It's a word that essentially at the time people knew um, as being, as meaning um, a gathering of citizens called out of their homes into a public place. Whereas synagogue, synagogue is a word, um, that means to gather together for prayer, reading and worship, which sounds exactly like the church today. However, Jesus didn't say he was building a synagogue. He was building a ecclesia. And so that is a going out. So my challenge is to everybody and the, the, the church that Jesus is calling us out of the church. The church is, we need the church, we need the, the ministries and programs. But without actually going out, how are people going to come in and experience the love of God? Sometimes we do set up programs that we expect people to come, but really Jesus is calling us out. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, from verse 14 says, Christ's love compels us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. And I'm going to jump to verse 19. It says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, making his appeal for us. We speak for Christ when we plead, Come back to God, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin, for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, just at just the right time I heard you, at just on the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. So there's a few things in that verse and uh, that passage, and it's like one of the most, like, I love that passage so much. There's so much in it. First of all, I love how it says, Christ's love compels us. So we don't actually, um, we don't go out after the lost and um, do all of this stuff or evangelizing and preaching because Jesus tells us to. This, this simple phrase, three words, Christ's love compels us to work. Um, that is where it flows from. When we fall in love with our Saviour, that compels us to want to, um, to reach those that do not know him. And it says also that another, another part of this passage that I love so much, that we're Christ's ambassadors. Like, that is just mind-blowing, that we're Christ's ambassadors here on earth. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and so therefore we should be set apart. We are set apart, and we should be living in that truth, in that reality that we are set apart in this world. And finally, the part where it says, let's, um, 
And we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. That is um, probably one of the most challenging things um, in my Christian life, is that um, knowing how much we've received, I think we can all agree here that we have um, received the most marvellous, like words cannot even describe the gift that we have received from God. To be able to be in relationship with the Father, to be seen as, as righteous and um, to receive this inheritance of being co-heirs with Christ is the most incredible thing, um, incredible gift that we could ever, ever have received. And so how does that actually change us? How does that change the way um, that we live? So really, if we're a Christ ambassadors, we can't simply stay within our comfort zones. We can't stay within the comfort of um, being in, in relationship just with Christians, um, within the church, just doing life together. There is The reality of it is that there is a world out there, and as hard as that this is, this is the truth, that there's no middle ground. People every day are either going to heaven or they're going to hell. There's no, there's no halfway point. And so if we've received this gift for ourselves, how then is God leading us to be able to bring people, other people, into the kingdom of God? I always sort of think about, and this is a challenge for myself, um, <clears throat> that if I like watch a, a really good series on Netflix or something, um, or even go to like a really good cafe. I'll like rave about it. I'll tell everybody, oh my gosh, you gotta watch this show, it's so incredible. Um, yet sometimes I, I think, my goodness, we have received the most incredible gift, but it's so hard sometimes to even share that with anybody. Um, and I think that's where we really can get locked into, into this fear and, and not being able to move. But what, what um, Jesus actually tells us, which again, what is my mind, he says that anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> the other thing that, um, again, is just, like, I, I can't get my head around it, is he said, the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. That means everybody in this room, if you call Jesus the Lord and say that you're greater than John the Baptist, like, get your head around that. It's just amazing. But that's what it says. <laughs> so I think really, like, those sort of scriptures are challenging, but that's an invitation to walk out our lives in a really um, different way. Um, and I'm speaking, I'm preaching to myself here. <laughs> just knowing that truth and, and letting it actually um, change your heart and the way that you live. Um, it, it is challenging, but there's an invitation to actually allow that to happen. So, for a really long time, I have had this desire to, um, to reach the people around me and um, sometimes it can be really hard to know 
what that looks like. Um, I really, really wanted Elizabeth for many years. I, I felt like I wanted to step out and and pray for people who who might be hurting or sick or um, you know just in a tough situation, or simply because I just saw somebody I've never met before, a stranger, and you know I just feel like she she got into it. But I was for many years um, gripped by fear. I had this desire, but it was like I didn't know how to how to actually um, step out and be honest about it. And in that process, I used to um, sort of reason um, with my, you know, my mind to come up with excuses why I should be doing that. I used to think, okay, like I'm not really that extroverted. Um, I'm not, I'm not one to just go up and talk to people that I don't know. Um, so. I mustn't be called to that. That's not really my thing. Um, I think there can kind of be a, a bit of stigma around the word evangelist. Um, and so we kind of, and they use a gift of evangelism 100%. Um, but we think that the evangelists, they do their thing, and then we go and do our thing. But the thing is, the word evangelist just means preacher of the word, preacher of the gospel. And Jesus actually said in his last words on earth, um, he says, go into the world and preach to all creation. So that wasn't just, hey, you evangelists over there, you preach the gospel. And meanwhile, you know, other people who might be more introverted, you can do something else. Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Notice that it doesn't say the extroverted are as bold as lions or, you know, those people who are good in social circumstances are as bold as lions. It says the righteous are bold as lions. So we all know that we're actually made righteous by the blood of Jesus. So therefore we are all bold as a lion. So this idea that maybe it's not for us to be actually able to share God's message with people um, because we might be introverted um, really, really isn't true. And I had a really interesting week um, where this very much, um, God was, was re-emphasizing this, not through me, but through somebody else. So um, I, I had um, a guy come out um, to, in a context, he was like um, probably, I don't know, late 60s really, seemed really shy, um, he, he was just really reserved, unassuming, came out to um, do like a measure and quote of wine in my, in my apartment, anyway, um, he comes in, and again, like he didn't really say that much, I would say he was introverted, <laughs> anyway, he then sees um, my Bible on the lounge, and it was open, and he said, oh, um, that looks like a Bible. It is a Bible. <laughs> he said, oh, do you read it? And I said, yeah, I read it every day. And he said, can I, um, what was it? Um, I hope you don't mind me asking, but why? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was totally not expecting this. And I thought, okay, oh, my gosh. I've got to explain my page to this guy. Anyway, I, I shared why, and he 
he was just messing with, with me. He said, oh, it's okay, I'm a Christian too. <laughs> 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 anyway, so this guy, he obviously was looking for an opportunity to, to share his faith. Um, we really connected. It was just, it was incredible. This man, late 60s, um, works two days a week, measuring and, uh, sorry, yeah, measuring up his growth but he, in his workplace, when he visits his workplace, every single customer he goes to, he looks for ways to bless the people. He shared with me and Simon, like, story after story of him praying for people um, with sickness. He said he's seen two blind eyes open. He's seen um, legs healed. He even had a lady, like, last week who um, had something wrong with her leg. That got healed, and then the lady said she had a detached retina in her eye. The lady said to her, "Can Jesus heal my eye too?" And he said, "Yeah, of course." Pray for it. Could the eye heal? Like this is a guy in the hills who measures flies. <laughs> and again, like I would never have expected that of, of this man. It was incredible. But finish. I just wanted to um, share a couple of testimonies of. What it, what it looks like to um, step out of your comfort zone and go after and um, really show God's love to people. But I want to preface this testimony with a little bit more of my journey. So um, as I was saying, like, it was so hard. I kind of get, came over this idea that, um, that I'm an introvert, but I can step out for Jesus. And um, in doing that, I'm not going to lie, like, it's, it's really hard. You know, if before you make that, like, actually do it, you have all the doubt coming to mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not an idiot. And you know what? Sometimes you do. <laughs> Sometimes you do look like a fool. But it's okay. It's okay to look like a fool for Jesus. Um, and sometimes people shut you down and think you're silly. But to be honest, most of the time you walk away and, like, I had a smile on my face thinking, Jesus was happy that I obeyed his, his lead, and that's all that really matters. So I just wanted to share a couple of stories. So um, <clears throat> this particular story happened um, earlier this year. Um, Simon and I were in Brisbane, and we had a more difficult night there, and I sat down um, and wanted to just ask God what he wanted to do. We, we had an afternoon prayer. We sat down on the grass. And anyway, this, this man worked, worked in a restaurant like like 100 meters away across the road. Just sort of stood out to me. And I said, okay, God, like, what, what am I meant to do here? And I felt like I heard God say, he's really confused. Like, what am I meant to do with that? I can't just go off somewhere. Hey, you're confused. <laughs> 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 So anyway, I kept thinking, like, okay, God, I don't really know what I'm going to do right now. And then I felt like he was prompting me to um, give him some money, just to bless him, just to, like, give him an extra God's blessing to symbolize it. So I got some money out, and we went over, and um, I, we waited for him to become free because he was a waiter. Anyway, I went up to him, and I just said, hi, um, I know this is really bizarre, um, but I was really sitting on the, on the grass over there and I've noticed you and I just felt like God wanted to give you this money just as um, a symbol of his love for you. 
this guy was at a community work and he just stood there and he just went and he saw it so loud. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, he just couldn't believe it. And he said, he said, my last night I cried out to God because um, my wife asked me for a divorce. And he said, I've been, I'm a, I grew up a Catholic, but um, like he didn't really practice his, his faith or anything. And um, he said, um, yeah, he was crying out to God and, and he just didn't know what to do. And I said to him, well, actually, like when I was sitting over there, I felt like God said that you were kind of confused and that's why like, I wanted to give you time to bless you. And he just was like, I, I wish I could explain the, the, the vibes, like what he, the way he reacted, because he was just like, I can't believe this is happening. Like he actually called out to God, and I, I think that was a, that moment blessed me so much because I was like, God, God, what do you do You know, like just by giving that small amount of time to go, God, like, what do you want me to do right now? Like, like someone you want me to bless. Um, so yeah, I walked away so incredibly blessed by that situation, just knowing that our Father wants to use each and every one of us to impact somebody's life. So we just shared with him how much God loves him, how much um, he sees the situation that he's in, and that um, he cares about him and his wife's relationship. Um, yeah, and we, he was just so thankful, and yeah, we went on and blessed. Another story I wanted to share, um, <clears throat> was, it's a real simple one. Um, I think it was about late last year. Um, in the morning, that this, on this day in the morning, I was, um, I think it was reading or just thinking about um, the story of Blind Bartimaeus when um, Jesus actually asked, asked him, what do you want me to do? And I always find that interesting because like, he's blind, Jesus, like he wants to be healed. But I love how Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? And so that morning, I was reflecting on the fact that you know, I, I was at that point. I was like starting to step out and ask people if I could pray for this healing. And um, and what what, what I was feeling at the time is, you know, sometimes people might not that might not be their immediate need. Like you might see them that oh, you know, they're blind or or they you know got a full leg or whatever, but they want to actually pray for something else. So that was going through my mind a lot. In the afternoon, I was on a train, a packed train. This lady and her mom came on the train, and her mom was in a wheelchair. And it was like one of these moments where I thought, oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I knew God wanted me to do something. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. I'm like a train, and there's like a million people around. Like, what am I meant to do? And I was remembering my thought that I had this morning, that morning, about just asking them what they wanted to pray for. So, anyway, I finally got to like that one in my mind about not wanting to do it. But I just felt like, if I don't do it, I'll feel blessed. I need to step out. So I stepped out and I just said, I said to the daughter and the mom, is there anything I can pray for you that you pray for? Um, <clears throat> they were actually um, Spanish speaking, so when the daughter spoke to the mom, I think she must have been able to speak English. But the mom, they spoke in Spanish, and so I was just like waiting there for them to finish their conversation, no idea what they were saying. And, and then the daughter turned back to me and said, um, 
Because you always prayed that I would feel pregnant. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Yeah, cool. So I prayed, I prayed for her. And I just thought, oh, wow. Like, that is such a personal thing for somebody that is a safer of random person. Mm-hmm. Um, to actually not, like, she had that belief that obviously God can help her in whatever she's struggling through at the moment. So it was just that simple moment of I just prayed for a real, you know, couple minutes on the train and then said, you know, God loves you both, bless you, and then walked away. And who knows what's going to happen, what was going to happen there. Um, but really, these, these stories, like, God wants to use us wherever we're at. We could be at, like, the shops, and I don't know, wherever we go, we don't have to have, like, a ministry for God to, to actually um, move. And so I, my challenge this morning to you is how are we, how in your life, um, how are we actually stepping out and, and reaching the lost? Going back to the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus went down those paths, went wherever he could to find the lost. And it says <coughs> in um, the Matthew version, it is not harvestable that any of these little ones should perish. So as believers, God can work through us in the most miraculous ways, knowing that um, greater works than Jesus can we do on earth, and we are greater than John the Baptist. Like, incredible, incredible passages. How can we actually allow him to, to work through us by just being open and listening to him and 